<laughs> How are I miss you? you? I miss you too. How's life? What are you doing? How's the boo? How's the crew? <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. I mean, you know, I think I'm I'm hanging in there kind of like everyone is. British Bake Off. That's my boyfriend's name. Yeah. He doesn't want he doesn't want his government name out. Um, but <laughs> he's doing good. We just had our um three year anniversary. Wow. Okay. I know. What about are there gonna be any rings put in on it? Or is that like not the right thing to ask for this generation? What <laughs> What are, your, is- what are his intentions? <laughs> it's three years. Okay, come on. Come on. Let's get some stuff going. <laughs> I will say we have been talking about getting married and like <gasps> where we want it to happen <gasps> and everything. Okay. So, yeah, it's you're going to be invited. I know you're going to be busy, but we will invite you to the You wedding. never know. I might pop up on your nuptials. <laughs> <laughs> Um, audio journey. <laughs> it was definitely a journey. <laughs> Don't stop believing. Because you said journey. Oh, it took <laughs> that one took me a while to get to actually. <laughs> oh, you guys, welcome to a brand new episode of Black Frasia. As always, I'm your host Phoebe Lynn Robinson, and joining me in the studio that's a phil collins reference is (laughs) (laughs) is my co-producer my editor and love of my life because i'm keeping it classy for this episode mate in it (laughs) i have to be on my p's and my q's i open the episode by swearing i do apologize yeah i don't know why you did that you need to be on point because we have a very special guest today and you out here cursing basically i'm I'm sorry basically like reciting wap (laughs) (laughs) word for word (laughs) (laughs) but we have to clean it up today you guys because very exciting who we have on but be- super exciting before we get to that i want to say it's my bloody birthday month mate happy birthday <laughs> to you <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> i'm turning bloody 36 that's 36 i mean i heard okay 
But I didn't know <laughs> with my accent if people were like, wait, what was that, mate? So I just wanted to be like, listen, bruv, Titan 36. <laughs> was that good? It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> um, and so you might be listening and going, bitch, why are you having a birthday month? You are 36. And the reason why I'm having a birthday month is, listen, we are in the middle of a quarantine still. I know people are out in the streets. I know those, like, Trump supporters are on their speedboats. Freaking, like, this is the Mariah Carey Honey video on jet skis. <laughs> and then sinking into the Hudson or wherever the hell they were. Yeah, right. But I just want to reclaim my birthday this year. And so I've been celebrating all month. And the main celebration so far this month is that British Bake Off and I are watching The Sopranos for the very first time. And it's pretty bloody good, isn't it? It's so bloody good, bro. <laughs> I know a lot of people were saying like, oh, you'll love it. Like, mm -hmm. it's a must watch. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's actually uh, it's pretty good. It's so incredible because it, obviously the acting is everything. Mm -hmm. But because there are some dodgy scenes, though. Excuse me, mate. Not a dodgy about this neighborhood. There's a couple of <laughs> air quotes, Italian mobsters. <laughs> <laughs> that are clearly they just are extras. And... Yeah. They spent the last four years at acting school just to go and jump off a bridge. Yeah, it's like clearly like some white guy from Iowa being like, mozzarella. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> but the acting is so good. And the, the amazing thing is like, I love a lot of dramas. I love a lot of antihero shows. So The Seed, The Sopranos, which basically birthed this whole era. Is that how like fancy people say it? Era? I think that's just how regular people say it. Era. 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 I'm trying to be fancy because of today's guest. <laughs> um, Antihero shows like really was because of The Sopranos. So it's yeah. really exciting. And I did have some people DM me when I did like, hey guys, are we going to like this show? And some people were like, oh my God, girl, you are going to think James Gandolfini is so hot. You're going to be so attracted to main, him. Is he the main guy? Yeah, he's the okay. main guy. Yeah, he's Tony. Okay. What did you what did you think his name was? Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, people were like, oh my God, you're gonna you're gonna love him. You're gonna think he's so hot. And I'm kind of like, what? Yeah, I don't see that. I don't see it either. No. Great actor. Great, yeah, very good actor. You know, I mean, I'm sure. You know, I don't even want to say I would have friend zoned him. I think we would just mutually been like not attracted to each other, but I will kick it with you at your Super Bowl party. I will acknowledge that you did a good job in The Sopranos <laughs> and quickly move on to the hors d'oeuvres. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me them ruffles. Um, but we. <laughs> Keeping it fancy for our guests and the hors d'oeuvres are ruffles. Are you sure? You know what? I'm not an elitist, okay? I'm not that, the one percent. Yeah. No Cheetos though, because that that stuff gets all on your fingers, it and you don't want to be shaking hands with Cheeto dust on your fingers. Well, as a Brit, what was the was the Sopranos a show that was like massive overseas? Oh yeah, it was huge. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, why had you never seen it? Probably the age I was when it aired, because 
It aired in 2000, right? 99. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 13? Yeah. So there's a little bit... Too many titties out. Um, Plus, in the UK, we didn't have HBO. Like, I mean, it's there, but you have to pay for a separate service and, like... I mean, you have to pay for HBO here. So, like, just... What do you... Take your pounds? (laughs) Take my paper round money... (laughs) And spend it all on a monthly subscription to HBO when I was 13. Okay. Talk to your mom. (laughs) It's like, mom. Mom, can we get HBO? Um, So I didn't watch it because we didn't have HBO. And so by the time I got to college in 2002, it was already season three. And like this was before. Listen, all you Gen Zers. Okay. There was no such thing as binge watching in 2002. If you missed a show, you just freaking missed it. Okay, babe. I think it's time. First of all, let me just say real quick. If you guys haven't seen The Sopranos, you should watch it. <laughs> I'm always a person that watches a show like literally 30 years after yeah. it's been on air. And I'm like, have you guys seen this? And everyone's like, yeah. yeah, we saw it when it <laughs> Except came out. Except for me, I had not seen yeah. it. Yeah. But I'm behind on a lot of shows. So I'm, I'm trying to catch up. Sopranos. I haven't seen any of CSI. CSI, was it? Which one? There's so many. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. You probably just named all of them in the one <laughs> sentence then. N-C-I-U-T-S-C-N-W-E-W-R. That's the Newark version. Did you remember that show, Jag? No. It's about um, naval lawyers. What? Like lawyer. Like, That's a thing. Yeah, I know. Obviously, yeah. marine time lawyers. Yeah, marine law. I used to watch the repeats because the the guy who was the lead was like pretty cute. So I was like, oh, that's great. So I'm just saying, if you guys haven't seen <laughs> The Sopranos or Jag, <laughs> uh huh, get on it. Okay, let's. <laughs> This is a train wreck. Let's back. Let's get back on course. <laughs> I talk the way my ten-year-old self used to drive on Mario Kart, just all over the freaking place, just from one barrier to the other. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys. Seriously, let's focus up. Let's put on some skincare. Mm-hmm. A serum, a vitamin C serum, some moisturizing cream, some comfy pajamas. Ooh, nice socks. Like nice fluffy socks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we have probably the most special of all special guests. The guest that we have on today <sighs> is a history maker, an inspiration, an example of how to be in this world, give back to others, uplift yourself so you can be better for the world. Um, wildly intelligent, mm-hmm. insanely kind. Truly, every time I talk to this person, I always get like a little nervous. I'm always like, <gasps> um, truly, truly. So it's truly one of those things where I have to pinch myself the fact that I even know this person and we sometimes text wild. Why are you looking at me, babe? Because <laughs> I'm waiting for you to announce it. 
This person is so magical. I love her so much. You guys are talking about my forever first lady, Michelle Obama! <gasps> so what was it like for you? Because I know you were nervous about this whole like setup of like recording and like you don't want to accidentally not record this oh conversation. Oh my God, could you imagine? Like I was texting with a friend saying yeah. like day off recording saying mm -hmm. like uh, just about to do this with Michelle Obama. And he was like, oh, yeah, remember to press record. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I truly would have had to kill you. Mm. And then I would have hired Gloria Allred, you know, that lawyer who's always like in the mix. And I would have gotten off. Gone off what? Like the char like they would have they I would have been charged. Oh, for what? For murder. But then people hold on a minute. For me not pressing record, you've been charged with murder. Cause yeah, because I would have killed you. Oh right, 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 right. Yes. So I would have killed you. Mm -hmm. I would, and I would have gotten off because it was a, a crime of passion. So I would have just blacked out. Right. And then just you know, um, what, what would be your weapon of choice? <clears throat> I would take the wig that's on that chair and then just suffocate you with it. Wow, suffocation by wig. <laughs> Babe, that's a hate crime. <laughs> to be clear, this episode exists because Bake Off pressed record. Um, and it's a fantastic conversation. And I got the privilege of getting to know her last year during her Becoming tour, uh, which, again, was just fantastic. Her book was amazing. And it was such an emotional and special experience for me. And, you know, when I told her about this podcast and all the things we wanted to talk about, she was so, so totally game. And so today we get into it all. We talk about voting. We talk about being hopeful in these times, what it's been like for her and her family during quarantine. We play a fun game. Overall, it's a really sort of like fun, uplifting, thought-provoking conversation. I'm so excited to share with you guys today. So without further ado, Bake Off, do you want to announce it? Because you have a great no, accent. No, I'll be far too nervous. No, but you have the accent, mate. You can announce that. Here is Michelle Obama. Oh, wait, Bake Off, there's one more thing. What? What do you mean, what? What? You don't bloody know what I'm talking about. No, I mean, I've introduced Michelle now. I mean... Surely we should be just going straight into the interview. No, but listen, you guys, we have a huge announcement. We do? Oh, my God. Okay, as you all know, we are an indie podcast. We are taking no outside dollars, okay? Right. We are funding this podcast by ourselves with our own little coins. Yes. I still don't know where this is going. <laughs> and so, you know, we want to do a season two. We want to keep doing the podcast and get it out there. So we have official Black Frasier merch! Bow, 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 bow! Wicka, wicka, wheel. Do I get one? Yeah, if you pay for it. Okay, you guys. <laughs> Damn. So if you go to phoebeRobinson.com and click on over to the merch tab, there are two items for Black Frage. There is a t-shirt, and then there's also a bloody freaking sweatshirt. And, you know, I'm really excited. This is so cute. We have, we go from sizes small to 3XL. We're very excited about this. All the money that we make off the merch is going to go back into the podcast because we got bills to pay. 
we have hosting sites that are billing us and we need to give them that money. I'm just looking at them now. It's got your old noggin on it, hasn't it? It's got my old face. The um <laughs> <laughs> The design is by Brianna Peppers, who also, as you know, does the Black Fraser logo. I'm very excited. Um, so head on over to the website. There's only two items. And I hope you guys like the merch. And if you buy some, wear it, post it on Instagram, tag myself, tag British Bake Off, tag Black Frasier in it, and we'll repost it. But this is exciting. We gotta make some money. We gotta make some money. Do you think we should go back to the episode at hand? Yeah, but buy that merch, vrobinson.com. Thank you so much for doing Black Frasier. I um, am so excited to have you on, obviously, but I also feel like this podcast in general sort of like kind of came about because of the social uprisings mm-hmm. and COVID and sort of just feeling disconnected from people and just wanting to talk about big life stuff yeah. and and feeling nervous and scared. And so yeah. all these conversations that we've been having have, I think, not only been so great for me, but also f- great for the people listening to feel like less alone. So Absolutely. thank you so much oh, for being a you. part of it. Proud of you. Um, Michelle, <laughs> don't make me cry. We just okay, started. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say to you, congrats on your podcast. And can we just pretend <laughs> that you were inspired by two dope queens and that's why you started your own podcast <laughs> yeah i think two dope queens was my first podcasting experience don't you remember how kind of yes. like deer in the headlights were when you guys came to the office and i was like what is this we're just talking what's a podcast so you guys <laughs> were my first <laughs> yes <laughs> But it's so amazing. I feel like it's resonating with so many people. How are you feeling about being in the world of podcasting? And how do you feel like this format? You have so many Mm. superpowers, but how do you feel like this format is best utilizing those superpowers to connect with so many people? You know, it's, as you know, the podcasting world is brand new, right? And there, and, and no one is, not all, all the audiences are being tapped. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. right now, podcasts are speaking to sort of one kind of demographic, but there are tons and tons of people, women, black folks, young people, folks my age, a little more mature who are, you know, (laughs) haven't really, you know, they didn't grow up on this stuff, but they are, are, are eager to listen and learn. And I just think that there's something about, um, sort of the, the 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 familiarity that comes with having someone's voice in your ear in a very mm-hmm. intimate and personal way. So I think it's an amazing uh, vehicle um, because you can do things pretty quickly and pretty timely. And for me, somebody who just likes to talk, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's sort of like, so what, you just turn on record and I talk? It's like, okay, I'm I'm in. <laughs> Count me in. So it's been fun for me to uh, use it as a way to kind of go a little more in depth in some of the broader themes that mm-hmm. um, we discussed or, or or covered in the book, Becoming. 
you know, you were among the many wonderful friends who traveled around the world and we got a chance to talk about the book, but, you know, an arena is just one, it was just like an hour or 90 minutes, but there's mm-hmm. so much more. There's so many more stories, so many more ways to go in depth. And so podcasts give you, gives you this pretty open format for going as deep as you want to go for as long as you want to go deep. So I, I'm enjoying it. That's awesome. And do you feel like you've learned anything about yourself during the process of doing the podcast and having these conversations with people that you love and admire and have been in your life for so long? You know, uh, for for me, it's, um, you know, I have so many amazing people, women, friends in my life and a lot of what my podcast is, is just pressing record on the conversations that we're having around our kitchen table or that we've been having in our sort of quarantine, socially distanced circles. And it's good to be able to turn the mic on to some of those because I know the way we feel and what we think and what makes us laugh and what we're worried about as women, as people, as married people. Those conversations are new. Um, everybody's having them. So I, you know, I, I think it's been good to keep, give people a window into my world in that way. Mm-hmm. But the whole purpose is to encourage everyone to reflect on these things and open up and have those conversations in their own lives with their mothers and their sisters and their girlfriends and their husbands, um, especially during this time when people, we are all in our heads. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we are feeling scared, we are confused, we're angry, um, we are disoriented. And for me, the best way to work out of that is talking it out with people that I love and trust and who affirm me and remind me that I'm not crazy. um and so I'm I'm glad you bring that up because everyone I think this quarantine is just tough on everyone right so I'm curious Mm -hmm. as to you know how is quarantine life going with the fam like do you have any funny moments from (laughs) quarantining with Bay? that's Barack Obama (laughs) that guy that guy You know, we have sort of, we had a cycle of quarantine, right? Because it hasn't been consistent. You know, there were phases of quarantine. There mm-hmm. were the early uh, days of quarantine, the early weeks, those months where, you know, there was a sense of, you know, because the girls had to come home. So our empty nest was no longer empty. We had to feel <laughs> a certain way about that. And there was happiness. But then there's like, there. They leave cups everywhere. I tell them, it's like, you know, my house was clean when you all left. <laughs> and now I walk down every morning and they're just little bits of them lying around. Cups and empty water bottles and little pieces of things, you know? It's like having babies in the house where you're stepping on their toys, you know? And they swear, they we pick up after ourselves. And I was like, no, you don't. I come down every morning and I'm picking up your stuff. So you think you're clean in a way that you are just not. Um, so there were those early readjustment moments. But, you know, we had to find a way because we didn't know what this was going to be, how long this was going to last. Um, so we we got into our routines of, you know, um, working during the day, but coming together for a little cocktail hour and maybe working Ooh. Working a puzzle together. There were many. I think we went through like 10,000 piece puzzles until we got tired of that. Then we started trying to have culture nights, right? 
where we would sort of, so we had a, a watercolor painting uh, uh, day where everybody went off and they did their paintings and then we got little easels and we had to discuss our paintings um, at dinner. Uh, we, you know, so we had little tasks like that. The girls learned how to play spades from their father. So they're now mean spades players and there would be some heated <laughs> spades games going on. So we, we had our fun rituals that made it feel good. And, but then, you know, the protest, it wasn't just the quarantine, it was mm-hmm. the shootings and it was, you started to feel the girls feeling antsy and feeling like, okay, I can't just be sitting in this house, even though I'm studying. It's like, do we get out there and do we protest? And so we're having conversations about race and criminal justice reform and what is going on and why do we feel so scared as Black people in our own country? And what does that mean? So we had that phase of quarantine, right? And then we had the phase of quarantine that was like, okay, we are sick of each other. This is no longer. <laughs> this is no longer cute. <laughs> That's shut, so, yeah. Shut up about all your thoughts and ideas. I don't want to hear anything from anybody. I am sick of everything. You know. So we've had our our phases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same with Bake Off, where you know, especially because we're we're quarantining an apartment. There are days where we're both like. If I have to see your face one more time, (laughs) I'm moving out and I can't move out, but I will find a way to move out. That's right. I just need to turn you on mute for like a day or two. Can I, do you have a mute button? And there was lots of big, speaking of Bake Off Bay, our, our little bays were baking their butts off. They, Mm. they were, they were in the kitchen. So, and after a while you had to stop, stop making pie. Because yes, I am now mm-hmm. eating the pie, and now you got quarantine butt going on, right? Because <laughs> your children, who are like sticks, are baking every night. You know, I mean, <laughs> Sasha made like a whole sweet roll. I mean, from scratch wow. with with dough rising and whatnot. So we got to a point where we were like, "Stop baking, please." Proud that you can yeah. bake, but stop it! You're killing me. Um, so for the, for the most part, we are among the people who have resources and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, our, our families have been safe. I've been able to check in on my mom. Um, you know, we live in a community of people that believe in the virus. And so we wore Mm -hmm. masks and we are social distancing. And as a result, we have remained healthy, um, but we know that our situation is unique, that there are a lot of people who lost their jobs. There are a lot of people who can't get away from each other. A lot of people mm-hmm. who couldn't just quarantine and had to get up and go to work. So we had to remain mindful, even in our times of we're sick of this, that we are blessed and lucky. That's what we kept telling the girls. It's like there are a lot of people struggling and will continue to struggle with this economy in the aftermath of this Um so we we continue to be mindful of the folks where this period of time has been painful and it has involved loss and sorrow and sadness. And it wasn't just togetherness and it wasn't just the time to reflect. It was mm-hmm. painful um, and continues to be that way without the leadership that we need to get us out of this situation. Yeah. So we're we're living in, you know, certainly probably one of the most difficult periods and and 
not only like our lives, but in like our nation's history, recent history with COVID, the social unrest, you know, and then the passing of people like Chadwick Boseman and John Lewis. And, you know, as a black person myself, I know I'm just there are so many days where I'm feeling particularly low or mm-hmm. drained or sort of like. I don't want to have to compartmentalize my brain in order to show up to work today. Like mm-hmm. I want to be able to feel all these things and not be like, oh, everything's yeah. great. And yeah. so as so many people are just dealing with the hardships that we're we're facing right now, how can we all sort of rise above this moment and move forward? Well, there, you know, there's... Uh, it, it, you're asking yourself to emotionally rise above a moment that is legitimately a down moment, right? I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, like you said, we have to acknowledge this is this is hard. You know, these are sad, tough times. And, you know, so many of us, particularly for Black folks, particularly for Black women, we're always looking for a way to rise above it, right? How do we yeah. just push past it? And sometimes stuff shouldn't be pushed past. Sometimes we need to sit in that place and own the fact that we're sad and down because things are in an uh, in an ugly place. Um, and so the, these feelings that we have, these emotions that we have are real and legitimate, you know? And I think that it starts with owning that it's okay for us not to be okay during a time when we're seeing our sons and daughters being shot in the back and folks uh, questioning whether a black life matters or seeing peaceful protesters, uh, you know, tear gassed and and viewed as a threat. You know, young people who are just trying to ask for some peace and justice being met with contempt and fear. I mean, that puts you in a place when you when when so many of us have given so much to this country where we felt like we've lived a life where we've shown our fellow citizens that we as black folks we as brown folks we as women that we as uh, you know whatever our sexual orientation is that we care deeply about this country and just because we ask for things to be better that we shouldn't be viewed as un-american or a threat that hurts right that being in that position is hurtful and it's mm-hmm. disappointing. All right. So let's name it and claim it and say, nope, you're not crazy for feeling that way. So now what do we do? Um, so now we have to think beyond just the emotion of it and think about the practical work that each of us needs to do to get this country to a better place. And for me, that focus has been on getting people to vote to register, Mm -hmm. to be mindful, to figure out their plan for voting. Because in these times when we've got people threatening the voting process, you know, trying to scare us away from voting, it means that we are going to have to be more mindful and clear and thoughtful about just how we're going to make sure our votes are cast and counted. And so for me, that's a kind of forward motion that keeps me focused and it keeps me out of the depths of the despair that we can be in because taking action in a proactive way helps you know it helps me and I you know what I you know encourage everyone to do is to find that kind of activism in their own lives um, as a way to push themselves out of these doldrums um, so that's what I try to do and what I'm trying to do 
I'm glad you brought up voting because we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, it makes, and I think especially during this particular election, when I'm thinking about voting, I'm thinking about John Lewis and how much he mm. and people like him sacrificed so that I could have the right to vote. And, you know, he recently passed away. And so I'm wondering if you have, if you could share maybe a favorite moment that you shared with him or a lesson that you learned from him um, that has stayed with you? Well, I, I think I'm among the handful of people who got to experience Congressman Lewis up close and personal. He was a longtime supporter and friend of Barack, and he was a kind and decent man to me and my family. He was just, he was as decent as he appeared to be. You know, um, and he was he was constantly looking for ways to up, uplift and bring hope. Uh, and whenever he was in the room, you got that sense from him. Um, and the time that I remember most of the many times I've had the fortune to be in a room with him um, was uh, the re the reenactment of the uh, the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And mm -hmm. that was memorable because it was not just with him, but it was with all those living legends, people who marched that first march, but they were older in their wheelchairs. And you realize they did this in their lifetime, that they were the mm -hmm. age of my daughters uh, and, and of many young people when they put on their marching shoes and 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 stared down um, fire hoses and billy clubs and angry, you know, sheriffs on horseback, you know, to sort of be reminded that they lived through all of that. And they came out on the other end still hopeful, still hopeful, you know. So as we marched across that bridge with that community, and it was special, even more special because we were all there. Me, Barack, my mom was there with us. The girls were with us. And for all of us to share that moment um, and to be reminded of what sacrifice actually looks like. Barack and I, you know, we always tell ourselves that anything we went through during the eight years we were in office or during our years in politics pales in comparison to what people like John Lewis and his generation of activists mm -hmm. saw and what they stood fast against that we don't have the right to be cynical right now. We haven't earned mm -hmm. that right. You know, there is there is no one out there that did more than John Lewis did to get us to a better place in this country. And we owe it to him and to mm -hmm. people of that generation who sacrificed so much not to just give it away and not to be so cynical, you know, and so disappointed that we just refuse to exercise that right. Like it's some luxury that we can play with. Um, we just don't have that right. So that was one of the many moments, the, the, the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge with John Lewis and so many of those other leaders. That was a powerful moment for, for me and my family. That's incredible. I just got chills listening to that. Um, so this brings me to today. It's National Black Voters Day, which is exciting, incredible. And um, I want you to sort of just talk about, because I think there's a lot of people who sort of are really excited about voting. And there's also a lot of people who are feeling a little bit disillusioned, right? So can you sort of speak to um, why it's very important to get ready and get registered to vote and like make your voice heard through voting? 
Well, I think I, I'd said this in, in my previous comment about Congressman Lewis, you know, we haven't earned the right to be um, discouraged or um, uninterested in voting. Uh, we live in a democracy, you know, it is not perfect, um, but we have traveled the world. We have seen other forms of government. And let me tell you, a democracy is as good as it gets. Is it perfect? No. Um, but there is no perfect government system out there. Um, democracy is as good as it gets. And in order for it to work um, the way it's supposed to, um, people cannot be so disillusioned that they decide, well, I'm just not going to engage. Because as I've said before, we don't engage. Democracy doesn't stop because we're mad, right? It just mm -hmm. keeps moving on without us. Elections happen whether we vote or not. And the winner takes charge and they decide the future of everyone, regardless of whether you were disillusioned or not. So it's one of those things like I don't I don't know how we can protest or be upset about anything but sit at home when it's time to vote especially when voting, it, it's not something you have to do every day. It's not like you got to get up and go to work. Voting happens once a year, maybe twice a year. <laughs> you know, it takes a couple of hours to do. It is not a big, onerous thing to ask a citizens to do. Um, so, I, I mean, why is it important? It's important because that's how the direction of the country, the moral compass of the country and of, of many cities and towns and counties are set uh, on election day. And if we're not in there making our voices heard, uh, we will be living a in a country that looks nothing like we want it to look like, just like now. You know, there were a lot of people in this election who didn't really like Hillary. She wasn't quite enough. Or they thought, ah, oh, you know, my candidate didn't win in the primary. What does it matter? You know, mm -hmm. some people who said, you know, I don't know about, you know, why don't we just give this guy Trump a chance? What could it hurt? What could we lose? Right. <laughs> and yeah, here, we've lost a lot. And here we sit four years later um, with some clear answers to many mm -hmm. of those questions. Um the leader of the free world has power. His words matter. Uh, the way they approach every issue impacts not just this country, but the world. And we are living through the consequences of people deciding, maybe I won't do it. Because as I said in my past convention speech, this election was so close, as are most elections, Phoebe, mm -hmm. that the margin of victory in one of the key swing states was two votes per precinct, two wow. votes. And it is that way in almost every election because the, the, the number of people, the, the percentage of people who vote are so low. And so you take that down to the local level when it comes to who's your mayor, who's your sheriff, who's your county commissioner, who's on your school board. All of these elections, because people don't show up, are decided by handfuls of people. And because of that, that means that everybody who didn't vote in the last election, they 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 were responsible for our fate because yeah. two two people <laughs> in a, a couple of swing states, if they had just just gotten up, 
who had just said, you know, I'll go through the headache. I'll just inconvenience myself for a couple of hours. Two more people would have had us, our country in a different, per precinct, would have had our country uh, headed in a different direction. And I just don't understand. Maybe people don't understand that that's how close things are. Maybe it's easy when life is hard. And I understand people are going through stuff. You've lost your job. You're trying to feed your kids. I don't care what color you are. Folks are angry because they're struggling right now. And that I get. And it can feel like nothing matters besides what I have to do to get up and keep a roof over my head and take care of my own kids, my own troubles. I understand that feeling. But like I said, democracy goes on whether we have time or not. Um, And we have to make time in this election and in every election. So can you talk to me about the first time you voted and, you know, cause I think back to the first time I voted and I was so excited and I was like that to me, I felt like, okay, I'm an adult now. Like I'm voting, <laughs> I'm participating in this process. I'm grown. Mm. So what about you? When you first voted, how did you feel? Like, what did you think? How for did it change you? Me, yeah, for me, it was always, it was never, it didn't feel like a special thing because it felt like this is what I was supposed to do. It felt like mm-hmm. I, getting my license, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a point in life where you know that you're supposed to do a certain set of things. And, you know, you turn 15, you get your permit. We're all excited about that because everybody wants to drive and get a little independence. And then the day you (laughs) turn 16 or whatever the age is in your area, you were at that DMV trying to get take your test and get your license. Um, It was that kind of feeling of like, now it's time for me to do this big grown thing. You know, if I can drive a car, I got to do what I've seen my mother and father do every election. So for me, I think I remember more the first time I ever voted with my parent more than I remember my the first time I voted, you know, because my father had MS and I remember for him getting around anywhere was hard to do. He walked with a cane. He walked with crutches. At one point, he uh, had to uh, uh, get around on a motorized car. And let me tell you, no matter what was going on in his life or how he felt, my father had a plan for voting. And he often, if he could, took us with him. And I remember my father struggling, standing on canes, trying to fill out his voter um, information. And all the people at the poll knew him. There goes Mr. Robinson. It's good to see you again because he was known in that polling place because he voted all the time. So it felt like it was an important responsibility. And then when he, when when we were young, they used to have those curtains that you pull around you and the machines were real machines where you'd have to click and then pull this big gigantic leather lever. It was a metal machine and it felt so powerful. I remember standing right at the edge of his elbow, you know, helping him stand up, you know, while he stood in that booth. you know, spending time looking over every ballot. I remember how seriously he took that. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a lot of work to do when you were a person with a disability. But I remember my father doing it without fail, without fail. Um, That to me sticks in my head more than my voting because I, I don't have a disability. You know, I, there is no reason, there is nothing inconvenient for me about voting. 
there never has been. Um, so I always felt like it's if my father could do that, that's the least I can do. Um, but I felt that way about everything because my father, you know, you know, he just didn't make excuses for anything in life. So I always felt like, you know, I didn't have a right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've been having lots of conversations with my parents lately, just obviously because of everything that's going on. And it's my, my parents are in their early sixties. And so, you know, they've, they've lived, they lived a minute and Mm -hmm. they've definitely are feeling a little bit sort of like, we've come so far and look where we are now. And there's that sort of, I don't they're not disillusioned, but I think they're just a little sad that like so many things seem to be moving backwards. And I'm wondering if you have any sort of thoughts on how, yes, we acknowledge that the, the country is not where we want it to be. The world is not where we want it to be, but also recognize that we have made progress and not forget that. Cause I think in these moments when we're feeling dark and we're feeling mm-hmm. low, it's easy to forget right. Right. Well, we that, have made improvements, you know? Well, well, that's why it's important for us to have a good education system. It's important for us to teach full history. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you know American history, <laughs> you know that we've been through worse times, yeah. not, not even close, you know? And that's not to diminish any of the challenges that we face today. A challenge is a challenge no matter, you know, what the context. But we can't lose sight of the fact that we have made progress in 50 years. Um, if it, if a, a little more than 50 years ago, we the, the Voting Rights Act had just been signed, right, in my lifetime, that happened, right? Yeah. In my in my lifetime, as Barack says, when he was born, it was illegal for his mother and father to be married, right? It was mm-hmm. illegal. Um, you know, uh, there was deep segregation. There was there 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 was blatant inequality. We haven't fixed everything, but if you had to pick a time in history to be a black person in America. I'd pick today every time if I looked yeah. over the course of American history and I had a choice of when to wake up in the morning and what year to wake up, it would be today. Um, mm-hmm. So that I have to keep that in mind. Fortunately, I have a husband who is a historian and note and, and believes in truth and fact, um, mm-hmm. you know, that can help remind me of that. So um, I think we have to just, keep this all in context. And we don't even have to go as far back as before we were born. Look, in 2008, and again in 2012, this country elected Barack Hussein Obama as the president of the United States. That happened. (laughs) And it was this country. And it was because people voted And it was because people of different backgrounds and races voted for the same vision. And then they did it again. So we have it in us. You know, one could say that maybe we got a little complacent, you know, (laughs) maybe things felt a little too good. So we started taking things for granted. You know, that maybe things we were already on our rocket ship shooting towards equality and justice, that racism was over. Right. 
that mm-hmm. that white folks had proven to themselves and black folks that you know racism was a thing of the past. Well, we knew that wasn't it. We we know that it change takes time. You know that if we're not vigilant and that we're not consistent about it, that we can slide right back. Well, we're in a slide right now and we have an opportunity to stop the slide, right? But we don't stop it just by being dismayed or being disillusioned or being angry. We can't just stop it by protest alone while we need all of that. Marches are good. Um, They're important. They highlight uh, the important fact. They bring attention to an issue. But Martin Luther King marched, but he also had a plan about voting. The march was on the icing on the cake to the plan. And everybody at that march, you know, they kept marching for months and months and years and years. And then they voted and then they kept voting and then they kept voting and they kept voting. We are leaving out a key piece of the strategy when we sit out of the process disillusioned. We're we're not executing a winning strategy. You know, we're just being mad and we can't just be mad. We have to be strategic and we have to vote. Um, So context helps. And I would encourage people to keep that in mind uh, that Trump is in office, not because we voted and people ignored our votes. He's in office because we didn't vote. Yeah. And so as we're looking at voting and I'm also thinking beyond it, like how else can people get involved within their communities? Cause I've definitely have had, I've gotten a lot of DMS about like, yes, I want to vote, but like, what else can I do? How else can I show up? Because there's so much that needs to be fixed right now that I think yeah. a lot of people are sort of feeling overwhelmed. It's kind of, where do I start? What can I do? What's the thing that I should be focusing on? Here's the, here's the thing. Um, in my advice, tend your garden. Start there. I mean, because it is easy to get overwhelmed if you think, well, I've got to register a thousand voters. I've got to change laws in my country. I have to, you know, yes, it feels overwhelming. But here's the thing, you know, if, 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 if this past election was decided by two votes per precinct, that means if everybody takes care of their registration plan and make sure they vote and make sure that they are responsible for maybe five other people, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. five, five people. Let's start small, right? Something you can do because everybody has somebody in their life. They know is not focused on this, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. For, for mm-hmm. good reason. You can, we don't even have to argue why they're not focused, right? We all know folks who aren't paying attention, who are maybe elderly and don't know how to do this stuff. Maybe they're thinking the wrong way. Maybe there's somebody in your life. Maybe it's your grandfather who is afraid of protesters and thinks that the only way to fix things is to vote this guy back in office because they're so scared. Talk to the people in your life, you know, Tend your garden. Make sure your kids who are eligible actually vote, especially if they're away at school during this quarantine. Make sure that neighbor that you know, that cousin, like you don't have to change the world. You just have to tend your own garden. And if we all do that, if we take care of our own plan first, 
It's like, how am I voting? Am I registered, first of all? Mm -hmm. Am I voting absentee? Am I going to go in person? Let me find out what's on the ballot. Let me figure that out, you know? And when we all vote, our effort provides websites and voter hubs that give people information. They can go on that. They can ask questions and then be responsible for educating five other people who you know are not going to vote absent your engagement. Maybe you need to take them to the polls. Maybe you need to help get their ballots mailed in. Think mm-hmm. think right in your own orbit, right? And then if you've done all that and you got five new people and it's only the end of September, well, get five more and then get another five and keep building your posse of people, Right. And get make sure that you know that you can check off in your mind that I got my five, I got my 10, I got my 50. Don't stop. If you have that much time and energy, just keep expanding outside of your network. Because Phoebe, here's the thing. We have more influence over the people in our own lives. Like, I can't convince somebody else's grandmother to think differently. She doesn't know me. You know, it's like Michelle Obama. I don't know her. I don't even trust her. Right. But but your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, sitting down with some people in your lives and just having some hard, honest, emotional conversations about why this is important to you and what you're afraid of and why you need them to make this happen. You know, look. Our grand, our, you know, my, I know my grandparents love me to death. And if I, you know, they, they have long since passed, but if I ever needed to get on the phone and convince my grandmother to, to do something against her best interest, because it was important for me, I knew I would be able to do that, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I just want people don't think so big that you feel stymied, right? Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes that's what chokes us up. If we can't do everything, then we wind up doing nothing. And all we need to do is to manage our garden, to talk to our friends. You know, every college student has a friend right now who is going to sleep through voting. You you know who they are. (laughs) So take responsibility, nag them until they have it down. That's something that everybody can do in their own lives. You know, and then if you have time after that, then go on a website, you know, uh, sign up for when we all vote, become a voting captain, a squad leader. You know, there are many things that you can do, but for people where, where most people where that feels overwhelming, just tend your own garden, get your five, get your 10, get people that would not be focused on this, but for you and make them understand from the bottom of your heart, why this is the most important thing they could do for you. Oh, what a talk about a mic drop. Okay. That was fantastic. Okay. So I know we're short on time. So I want to play a quick little game with you before. Oh, you and your games. (laughs) I'm a low budget Jimmy Fallon. It's a Phoebe game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're familiar with the game. Mm, Mary Kill. Uh-huh. Well, I want to do a classier version of that. Which okay, is, and what would that be? <laughs> <laughs> which is vacation, mm-hmm. quarantine, and mm. you only just want to see via Zoom because you're like, I can't deal. Okay, that's cute. Yeah. Okay. 
Vacation um, quarantine Zoom. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the first category is music superstars. And I saw you in the verses on Monday because I was there too. Uh-huh. Um, so Brandy, Monica, Beyonce. Uh quarantine Beyonce. Um no, mm-hmm. oh, see, this is tough. Oh, no, no shade. Could you make it me pick maybe vacation Monica Zoom Brandy? Oh, OK. I like those choices. Those are good choices. Right. Um, um, the next category is dudes named Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so stupid. <laughs> so Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock. Okay. All right. Now, who's Chris Evans again? You got to give me ca- who is uh, he? In? He's a, a Captain America. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Um. All right. Chris. Or Chris Rock. Chris Evans. Chris uh, Hemsworth. Okay. Um. Probably quarantine with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, yes, vac- good choice. Me too. Vacay, Chris Evans, Zoom, Chris Rock. <laughs> oh, the shade. See you over the Wi-Fi, Chris Rock. That's um, no shade. You, <laughs> you're making me choose. You all turn that into, oh, she just did Kiss Rock. Chris Rock is cool. <laughs> um, and the last category I'm going to do is people with the last name Robinson. Mm-hmm. So first, <laughs> first up, we have your brother, Craig. Yeah. Then we have Jackie Robinson. Hmm. And then we have your pretend cousin, me, Phoebe Robinson. Oh, uh, see, you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're gonna be dissed on this because it's like I would quarantine with my brother. I mm-hmm. would definitely vacate with Jackie Robinson. I'd have to like, like know all about him. Mm-hmm. And then you and me were zooming. We could do this, girl. You don't have to be with me. You know me. We're yeah. cousins, girl. I can just, <laughs> you know, we'll just zoom. And and if I called you and said, girl, we just gonna zoom because I'm on vacay with Jackie Robinson, you'd be like, oh yeah, girl, do that. <laughs> yeah, I would totally agree with that choice. <laughs> you would understand being zoomed on that call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for playing that with me. I thought that would be super cute. Um <laughs> And so, you know, one of the things that I am sort of struggling with, and I think a lot of people are struggling with, is how we can remain hopeful and remain optimistic during this time and sort of projecting, like, what what do we want to see in the future? Because everything is so topsy-turvy right now. So um, topsy-turvy, how do you say it? It's a topsy Term? That's, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anderson Cooper, I am not. Um, <laughs> um, so for the future, like, A, what do you hope for the future? Mm-hmm. And B, how can people who are sort of wrestling with how difficult things are keep their hope, keep their faith, keep keep the belief that a restore that that society is going to return to decency and that they can be a part of that process. 
Well, <clears throat> what gives me hope is that there are there's so much going on right now that um, reminds people why it's important to vote. And I think if we vote in this election and vote our conscience and we get others to come along, um, then I think we're, we're going to be OK. Um, and I want to encourage people to go to whenweallvote.org to sign up with us. Even if they don't want, want to volunteer, people can go onto that site and get information. I want people to make their plan now about how they're going to vote, figure out whether they're going to mail in or go in person. You, we need to do that and figure that out this month. You know, this is not a time to wait until the last minute to do it. Um, and so I am hopeful that uh, people are feeling fired up and revved up and um, and motivated to, to make this happen in this election. Um, the other thing that brings me hope always are young people. And, you know, that's why I surround myself with young people. You know, the younger, the better. You know, uh, when I spend time <laughs> with little kids, I think, you know, look, kids bring so much joy and they all come into this on onto this earth, pure of heart and clean of spirit. You know, if you've ever spent time with children, they they know authenticity a mile away. They 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 tell it like it is. Um, uh, we're the ones who put marks on them, good and bad. We we affect the way they see the world, but they come here pure and clean, regardless of of race, regardless of their religion or background. Um, I see that when I'm with kids. And when I see that, that that innocence and that possibility, I think that those of us that are older and actually have control over the world that they live in, we have a responsibility to to hand them something over worth having. Um, uh, so that brings me hope. Even younger people, the folks out there who are protesting peacefully, who are trying to find ways to have impact, who feel this moment um, in, in a powerful way, that gives me hope because Phoebe, look, they they feel that way. We, we, mm -hmm. We're seeing kids of, of all backgrounds uh, rising up against this injustice because of how they were raised, right? And yeah. they were raised in a time, during a time when all of us believed in the possibility of equality, where they grew up, where their president was Barack Obama, you know, where the country was moving in the right direction. And we taught them to have values and empathy and compassion. We taught them about equity and fairness. And now they're living a different truth and they will not stand for it. I think that older folks like us need to understand that we raised them to want better. So now they do, and now they're not going to go backwards. <laughs> I think it would be hard for somebody in their 20s to go back to the way things were. You know, they've seen too much. They've experienced the joy of diversity, the possibility of living in a broader, fuller society. And I'm not just talking about race, Phoebe. I'm talking about culture. You know, I'm talking about music and food. I mean, uh, America is a melting pot and our kids have tasted from the, the, the fruits of that pot and it tastes good, you know? Yeah. They, they will not go back to what, I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what the alternative would be, right? So that gives me hope because you guys are the ones that are going to run the world, you know? And it, 
even if we don't get everything right in this election, pretty soon people are going to wake up because the direction that we're going in is not sustainable for anyone. No one is happy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. one is feeling content and hopeful and optimistic with this president in office. Everyone is feeling a kind of way. And I don't think people will want to sit in that that pain and that grief. And it will only get worse if we don't act in this election. I just don't think young people will tolerate that. And that gives me hope because I think they know better and will do better. Even if even if it doesn't happen right away, I think eventually they've seen they, they've had access to a world. And the, in, in the, the way we're going, if we keep going like this as a country, we're going to be closed off to that world. And young people won't, don't want to live like that. And that gives me hope. So it's up to us, older folks, to get out of the way, to help, the, help y'all out so that we can hand you this world that you, I think you're more than ready to lead. Oh, my gosh, Michelle, that... Was well, such a beautiful answer. Thank you so much for making time for this conversation. I think this is going to be so impactful and so inspiring for so many people. And just on a personal note, I just, you are just such a beacon of light. You are just such an example of how to, you know, move through the world and give back and be kind and be thoughtful and giving in a way that is going to uplift everyone. And I'm just so honored and so lucky to know you um, and to learn from you. So just thank you so much for all the gifts that you share with all of us. Uh, Phoebe, thank you. I am, again, I am proud of you. You are one of those voices out there, that next generation that is changing the way people see the world and you're doing it with class and humor uh, just keep doing it. You you have a platform, and I'm proud that you're using it the way that you are. So keep it up, girl. I love you. I love you too. And I guess we'll hang out in person in 2022. We'll get 23. there. You yeah. just you just you just get your nuptials together, girl. Yes, <laughs> I will. <laughs> What a conversation, what a woman, what a legend, what an icon. What a time to be alive. Uh, To listen to her just share so much wisdom Mm -hmm. and remind us that we do have power in our lives to affect positive change that will benefit other people, I think is something that we all need to hear during this I'm just going to listen to that last five minutes whenever I need to pick me up Mm -hmm. because that was really inspirational knowing or hearing that the youth of this world are ready to take charge and it's time for the old fogies in power to step aside because they're so out of touch. Amen. So I just want to say once again, thank you so much to Michelle Obama for making this happen. I know she's been doing rallies Mm -hmm. left and right. So the fact that she was able to squeeze us in, I think it's just so, it just shows like how amazing she is. Um, Thanks again to Michelle Obama and as you guys all know, this is an indie podcast, so we're not taking advertising dollars from the man and instead we're shouting out black businesses. But because it's a special episode about voting, about getting out there, making your voice heard, I want to spend this time shouting out whenweallvote.org you listen to me um, and talk about this organization throughout the episode. 
Um, that's whenweallvote.org. And there's tons of things you could do on the website. One of the things that I think is really great that if you pledge to help like 10 friends or family members, you know, get registered to vote, like you could win a chance to hang out with Mish virtually. Mm. So if that's if you're doing your civic duty to ensure that we restore, you know, dignity to this nation is not enough. You could hang out with Michelle Obama on Zoom. I, we're all sick of Zoom, but I will hang out on Zoom yeah. for Mish. For sure. Um, but yeah, there's tons of things that you can do. So just remember, you know, sign up today is National Black Voter Day. Like all the black people that were at the verses. Every single verses you've been at, John Legend, Alicia Keys, Brandy Monica, Timberland, Scott Storch, Teddy Riley, Babyface, all the people that hang out at that, let's all vote. When we all vote.org. And for white people, versus is. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything just in case, but. I would appreciate an uh, explanation. Thank so you. So versus, I think, started, oh, gosh, who did, uh, I forget who Timbaland went against. But it was just like a fun way to just sort of like get through quarantine. So it would be like to Timbaland, like another producer, like, okay, we'll just like battle. We'll play like our songs for everyone. And so people can decide who has like the best sort of like resume of songs. Oh, so, you know, like okay. a lot of people have done like Brandy and Monica. Mm -hmm. Like my dream is to have like Anita Baker do one. Ooh. Cause she would be like so fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. I also think, you know, Beyonce should do one. Mm -hmm. Solange, you too. So I hope that was a quick primer for all the white people listening. Um, so yeah, when we all vote.org, please make your voice heard. Um, I think it's time for credits. What you think, babes? Credit time. Host Phoebe Lynn Robinson. Producer Phoebe Lynn Robinson, British Bake Off, Etta, British Bake Off. And as always, follow us on Instagram at British Bake Off. That's B-R-I-T-I-S-H-B. A E K O F F and at Dope Queen Fee, D O P E Q U E E N P H E E B S. I should have done a spelling bee. Really? You should have, yeah. <laughs> Constitution. I'm out! <laughs> <laughs>